water baptismal tank. Praise the Lord. I am looking at a book, the book of 1 Corinthians this morning, chapter 14, and I'm just going to read my text and then we'll pray and I'll give you a little backdrop for the text. Praise the Lord. Amen. You guys all help me out. Can you see that we're done playing? Aren't we? Okay. Join us over here, please, then. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The Apostle Paul said, Let all things be done decently and in order. I would love to have nothing, I'd love to have a, a just a round table session one day and ask people like yourselves what that scripture means to you. And when you describe it, I would begin to pick up little nuggets of where you've been and what you've been through. Let all things be done decently and in order. With the help of the Lord today and your cooperation, I want to preach from this thought, just to play out. Let all things be done. Let all things be done. Precious Lord, we thank you for your word today, your spirit, your people. God, the flock of the Lord of which you've made us overseers, help us to feed them, encourage them by your will, by your direction, by your plan, by your spirit, by your word. Let every soul leave this house better than they came today. We'll give you the glory for it, God, and thankful for your word we are. Jesus' mighty name, God bless you. Look at somebody and say, let all things be done. May be seated. Now, all of you know that this book of 1 Corinthians is called an epistle. And it's a letter that Paul wrote while off campus to a people far away trying to establish a work for God, a church, an assembly, a congregation. And Paul would inspect, get reports, talk to people involved, talk to those he appointed as leaders and pastors. And when brought news to the Apostle Paul of the problem that was prevalent in the Corinthian church, they were what many people would title, you and I would today, super spiritual, hyper spiritual. Pastor, is it possible to be too spiritual? I guess in the real sense of it, probably not. But in the legality sense of how they were, it is. They were hyper-spiritual. Demons behind every bush. God talked to them every day. They've got a revelation, a moment, something to impress you by to the point of being hyper-spiritual in their conduct. That was the problem Paul had to deal with in the church at Corinth. Notice, though, that if I were to ask you to talk about 1 Corinthians 12, you would, I'm sure, tell me that's where the nine gifts of the Spirit, not the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit are described. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, working in miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, 
divers or different tongues and the interpretation of those tongues. Only place in the Bible Paul identifies and describes them is to this church that had gone off the deep end. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where we looked as a text this morning, Paul takes those nine gifts described in chapter 12, and then he begins to teach them how they're to be administered or used in the body of Christ. The problem with the church today is we're so afraid of wildfire. That's a term that when I was evangelizing was quite prevalent. Watch out for those folks. They're wildfire. And elder preachers would tell me, watch out for these people. Don't go preach over there. They've got wildfire. What that meant was, you know, they're just kind of crazy, radical, super spiritual. Everything's got a yeah. Come on. deep, profound application. So chapter 12 describes the gift. Chapter 14 tells us how to use the gifts. I wonder why between the knowledge of what they are and how to use them is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that has seemingly nothing to do with the gifts. But it's what you and I identify as the love chapter of the Bible. So between identifying the gifts and using the gifts, Paul said, let everything be done with love and charity, compassion and mercy. What good is my spirituality if I hate you? What good is your depth of walking in the kingdom, knowledge and insight and the moving of God's spirit if you're not approachable? So the backdrop for these super spiritual people is they had a lot of knowledge, but they weren't applying it properly. Hence my text, let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things be done. You may not be aware of it, but PPC has a mission statement. Years ago, Sister Pleo typed it up, Sister Misty laminated it, and it's on the bulletin board. But I'm going to give you a brief summary of it today. We have a mission statement. We're aware of that. I'm always trying to push it. I'm always talking about it, whether you know it or not. But as a body of believers that want everything God has given us to be used or applied properly and in order. Now, I've said this until you could say it. I've said it so often. But don't spoil my punchline, all right? Give me a moment to set it up. Don't jump ahead of me. For what it's worth. I'd rather peel you off the ceiling. I'd rather have to tell you, look, calm down, all right? This isn't, you're getting a little carried away. Then have to go down and say, brother, are, did you not get any sleep last night? How can you be falling asleep on the front row? 
I'd rather peel you off the ceiling because you're so excited than have to wake you up because you're bored to tears. So if we err, if I err in judgment and usage and application, it's going to be on the side of starting fires, Holy Ghost fires, not troublemaking fires. But our mission statement literally consists of four things. Glorify, edify, unify, and multiply. No, I didn't get that off the internet. I didn't choose. Give me a little squeak, cute little memori you know, memorizing statement somewhere. Glorify is our mission. Edify, unify, and multiply. Oh, good. When's all that going to happen, Pastor Herring? Number one. Let me just walk through this slowly with you. Number one, not by accident, is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time we assemble, every time we talk, every time we sing, everything we play, every Sunday school class they teach, Every time they greet somebody, shake a hand, hug a neck. Every after church coming together, we have potluck, harvest party, men's meeting, ladies' meeting. Everything we do, we're trying to glorify the Lord in that. Mr. Webster said, Glorify means to bestow honor, praise, or even admiration upon one who is worthy. Say it again. Our mission, number one, is to glorify the Lord, meaning to bestow honor, to praise, and heap admiration upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life, our assembling, our actions in or out of the church. If you pay attention to sports or athletics at all, it's become pretty commonplace when you have a person of high character, man, woman, young person, or elder in athletics, you'll hear commentators make a statement like this, that's a good man on and off the field. That means he's got character. That's a good it's a good lady on or off the court. That's a good person, good on or off the, the field. They're talking about the character and the dignity of an individual going beyond their profession. It is our mission to glorify the Lord in church or out of church. We should not be. Brother Corey, we should not be one thing here and another thing at work. We should not be shouting victory here and something contrary to that out there. It is our mission. It is our number one charge, mandate from heaven to glorify the Lord, to put honor upon him, to admire him in the church or out of it. Is this too basic today? Brother, you ought to be a Christian, not just in the altar. You ought to be one on your job as well. 
1031 said, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Do it all to heap praise, admiration, and honor. I realize it's difficult. You go out there and you have a hard-nosed boss or someone who doesn't care about anything but themselves on your job crew. I get it. I get it. But you're not working just because of who's in charge over you. Everything you do is a, an expression of your spiritual experience. Oh, so you're the churchgoer that's always the laziest dude on the crew, always complaining about more than anybody else on the crew, and you're the church. You want me to go to church with you? Everything we do should be to heap honor, admiration. Upon the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God where? In your body first. Don't talk to me about modesty. It's an old fashioned issue. He said the first thing we should do. Is be heaping honor upon him in our body. I just think I'm going to preach a little bit today. What you are here, you ought to be there in your body. Looking for a job when I found this one. And in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to the Lord now. You've been bought with the price. Well, I've got to do things my way. Well, that's the opposite of heaping praise upon him, admiration upon him, honor upon him. Number one, our mission, Brother Dave, is to honor the Lord, to give him glory in all that we do. Of all people that are in the church house today or in assemblies all around today, we... We should be familiar with what it means to praise the Lord. I'm not saying you all have to do it like him or I have to do it like you. But out of the bottom of your heart, it should be your desire to give God glory. And I want, I want, to, address, I want to address people who come out of religious strongholds in their life. I say this with, with as much love as I can. But some people sit there and go, I'm praising God inside. I give you honor for, there, for that as long as you'll listen to me. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, mouth should be speaking. So you don't have to yell it, but your mouth should be open in praise to the Lord. You don't have to be loud as her or him, but you should be expressing your admiration for the Lord. That's glorifying him. In the temple, in the tabernacle, you dare not approach the Lord without a sacrifice. And Paul put it this way in Hebrews 13. We should offer that sacrifice of praise to God once in a while, occasionally, when I really feel like it, continually. Why is that? Why is that? Because if all I do is follow how I feel, I don't feel like preaching today, to be honest with you. 
I feel weak. I'm drained. I'm tired. I hurt. I've been sick half the week, but I don't care. I'm just saying, if we follow our feelings, he'll only hear me praise him once in a while. Continually give God honor. Continually give God praise. Continually admire him. fruit of our lips, not our thoughts, our lips, giving thanks to his name. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through, and I, I acknowledge that. That's true. It's impossible to know what everybody's going through. But most of you told me very recently that you believed every word written in the Bible. I asked you that the last couple services. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Amen. And your Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, in everything, in everything. He did not say for everything. In everything. Continually. Some of you are so bored this morning. I'm going to help myself preach. Pastor Herring, you're really telling it now. Thank you. I appreciate that. In everything. I don't know how you're going to work this out, Lord. But in everything, I'm going to give you thanks for it. I don't know how you're going to change her mind, God. But I'm going to give you thanks for it. I don't know how you're going to fix this problem, Lord, but I'm going to give you thanks in the middle of it all. That's glorifying the Lord. Our mission, number one, is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. David said it's one of my favorite psalms, and how do you choose a favorite psalm, right? Just right now, it's one of my favorite, I'll say that. Let the words of my mouth, 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. I don't know what to pray, Pastor. I'm, I'm out of things to say after five minutes. You ought to start reading the book of Psalms and open it when you're praying. There's some beautiful things to start praying about your own life. God, let my words and my thoughts please you. Now, Psalm 63, 1, I want to explain something here. Brother Anthony, please read that nice and loud. Here's the context of David's short chapter. David's running, but not from Saul this time. He's running from his own son. David is fleeing from his life from his own offspring. They want him dead. They want his authority. She wants his throne. She wants his influence. And David is running not from Saul, but from family now. I have said this so often. Some of the greatest joys, Brother Dan, in my life come from family. And some of the greatest pains I've ever had come from family too. 
some of the biggest wounds and scars and emotional setbacks. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying uh, you can kind of relate to what the man's going through. He has no, no right to try to usurp authority over his father, but that's what he's doing. And somewhere along the line, David picks up pen, or maybe he asks for a scribe that's ready with ink and paper, and he said, write this down. I'm looking for you early. You know how thirsty I am internally. My flesh outwardly longs for you, but I'm in a dry place. I'm, I'm in a thirsty land. And look what he said. I've got no hope. There's nothing going on here that tells me it's going to get better. David's running from Absalom. In the desert, no hope for tomorrow. And then he gets down to verse 11. And he says this. Write this down. Write this down. He said, I just feel like God just put a little peace in my soul. Write it down. But the king's going to rejoice in God. I don't know why he chose to get out of that first person expression, but he said, the king, meaning himself, I'm going to rejoice in God. Everyone that swears by him will glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies will be stopped. That's how he ended you know what that is? That is David in everything giving thanks. That is David saying, lost my job, lost my husband, lost my wife, kids are on drugs, got kicked out of the church, leadership don't love me. That's what he's running for his life. He said, but all I know how to do is control myself and glorify the Lord. I got to praise him. Not for the circumstances, but in the circumstances. I personally believe, I personally believe, Sister Elaine, that's why a lot of people come to church and they, and they get knocked around in the spiritual dimension a lot and they, they're bruised up and battered and beat down by the works of the enemy and, and darkness and all of that and they never seem to grow. They never seem to ever get to the place where they learn how to overcome those obstacles. It's not because they're, they're not good people. It's just somehow and some way along the way they haven't realized that these things are going to come anyway. Life's going to happen anyhow. And I'm only going to get better and stronger as if I learn to, in the thing, glorify God. Number one, our mission statement is to give God the glory. I don't know how personal you want me to get or not get today. But in our homes, first thing we should be is glorifying God. Be doing Every decision we make. Everything we look at, every magazine hiding, every book, every book you read, every article on the phone, every phone conversation you have, what, how you spend your money, how you dress your body, how you raise your kids, how you look at life happening. Number one, in everything I'm going to give thanks and glorify the Lord. I'm going to do my best 
to heap admiration upon him. That is bestowing honor upon the worthy. That's mission number one in our statement of Palmer Pentecostal Church is to glorify the Lord. Now the second thing is to edify. Go back up to that screen with the four, state, uh, four words, please, Sister Blair. To glorify, to edify. The second thing is to edify. That's not my job. That's yours, Pastor Herring. It is my job, but it's yours as well. Webster said here, Mr. Webster said to edify is to uplift, to build, and to establish. To build, to uplift, and to establish. It is the will of God every day of the week that we be edifiers. Building up, establishing. That's not about flattery. Uplifting. Couple of verses for your notes if you're taking them. 511, 1 Thessalonians, we should comfort and edify each other. Build up, establish, strengthen. It takes no spiritual insight whatsoever to tear down, to destroy, to step on people when they're down. That doesn't mean you're powerful. Fourteen, nineteen of Paul's epistle to the Romans. Look at this. This is, this is awesome. Let us therefore follow after the things. The things which make for peace and things wherewith one, and one may edify another. Paul is saying this isn't just going to happen. It isn't all on the pastor's job description. You have to look for things that heap honor upon the Lord. Things that edify your brother. You have to find things that encourage your sister. You have to do some work. Well, if you really had your ducks in a row, Pastor Herring, we'd all just organically flow like that. Then why did he say that? Then why did he say this church at Rome, you need to find things that build, that construct, that edify, that encourage? If it would have been just a pastoral letter, saints would have never had the book of Romans. You got to look for the things. I happen to know. Brother Anthony likes to hunt. Brother Anthony likes to cut trees down. A little violent nature. What's ever been, ever been, ever sat on a couch, brother, and tried to get, oh. I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I had a, a tree growing over my bear bait trail, and I'm not exaggerating. It, it was a birch. Massive. It grew up, and then it curved down, and it went out, and it did this, and I, it, was, it was in my way. I had, brother Larry, I had no idea what to do with that thing, and there was just enough deadfall around the sides of it. I couldn't go around it. And Brother Anthony came out and he surveyed that thing. And he said, I'm going to make a scissor cut there. And I'm going to notch that. And I'm going to go here and I'm going to come up from there. I'm like, just cut the thing, brother. <laughs> but you can't just cut it. It pinches and it bends and it twists and it turns. 
it reacts to, to the untrained eye, it, it's going to surprise you. They don't call those limbs widow makers for nothing. How do I get on these things? I have no idea. The things. So if I'm going to hang out with Brother Anthony and I know he's down, you know, I'm not going to come up and say, you rotten, miserable, lousy, no good. I'm going to talk to him about common ground. I'm going to get on it. Paul said, I became all things to all men that I might make. Some mean save some. I'm going to try to find the things that encourage him. I'm going to try to find the things that edify her. I'm going to try to talk about things that build you up. It's not just going to happen. Hmm. Here's a great example. For Samuel 23. This is a living example of what I'm talking about. Glorify the Lord. Edify the body or one another. Here's this story again. Or at least it's David again. This time David's fleeing for his life from Saul. David's got a helper in the castle though. Saul's son. They're buds. They're pals. They're blood brothers. They're tight. They're close. And Jonathan gets wind of David's whereabouts. David saw that Saul was come to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in the woods. 16, please. Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the woods and strengthened his hand in God. Verse 17, then I can comment. And he said unto him, Fear not. This is Jonathan talking to David. My dad's hand will not find you. And you're going to be king over Israel, and I'll be right beside you. And you know what? Daddy knows it too. What is he doing? He's finding things that David needs to be encouraged. Anybody can say, Brother Richard, you should have known better than to do that. That doesn't take spiritual insight to criticize people. But it takes tact. It takes strategy to take time out of your life and say, what is it? How can, I, how can I help him? Brother Larry, years ago, we used to rent the farm loop gymnasium. I was Monday night. We had, we had gym night years ago. And we were having basketball play game one night. We were all young and spunky then. Brother Richards is... He's, Brother, Brother Kenny, you know, he's, he's got all kind of spunk, man. I give him that. I give him that spunk. I'd rather peel him off the ceiling than have to wake him up in the seats. But I'm going in for a layup one day and trying to go drive the hoop, and he just gets out there and starts throwing elbows and bodies, and he went flying, and I went flying. He was like... You get on my turf, Pastor, I get serious. Remember that? You remember that? No. I'm like, man, 
He's taking it serious. And you know, it didn't bother me a bit because he's just as serious in the house of God. Appreciate that about him. But there are little sentimental points in his life that I know after 32 years of him being in the circle, I know where his emotions lie. I could text him and say something derogatory. Why would I? We're, we're, we're charged by God to find things that build each other up. Oh, but you've got a lot more faults than you do positives, Pastor. Well, do your best to focus on the one positive you can find. Galatians 6 verse 1, please. I'm not even to where I want to be in the meat of the matter. It's going to get real quiet on my next stage, though. Galatians 6 verse 1. Brother Playo, please, sir. To edify means uplift, encourage, build up. All right. Glorify the Lord, edify one another. Now we're going to talk about unifying. I was so fired up about this this week, Brother Dave. I'd run around the house preaching to the couch and the wall. Glorify. That's mission number one at BPC. Edify. Mission number two. Or should I say 1A. At Palmer Pentecostal Church. How do you Sunday school teachers do it? Hmm? If you have never taught Sunday school class, especially the little ones or teenagers for that matter, you shouldn't be criticizing these folks up here. What a job. What a thankless job. Wiping noses. Anyway. Number three is unify. Mr. Webster says unify, get this, is to combine, connect, interfuse. Combine, connect, interfuse. And again, it does not just happen. It is God's will that we fulfill our mission statement and unify the body, our home, our relationships, our job position, our place in the community. It is God's will, and it's going to take effort. What's the difference between unity and unify? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Going to get quiet. Watch and see if I'm a false prophet or not. Going to get quiet here. Pastor Herring, I don't do potlucks. I don't do, you know, out-of-the-ordinary functions. I don't do that because so-and-so was mean to my kids. I don't do that because of the chaos and the mayhem. I don't do that because of whatever reason. What's the difference between unity 
and to unify. Unity, I hated English in high school, told you I took an F in 10th grade, 11th grade. Teacher said, you're going to give a public speech at the end of this quarter or you're going to fail. And I said, I'm just going to tell you right now, go ahead and write it out, write it out. I can't do it. Then help me, Brad Bullock, that you were sitting across from me in the corner. Steve Sampson, Tony Leverett, all, anyway, if you didn't act a certain way, that's not true. I did what I chose to do. Anyway, I do know that unity is a noun, a person, place, or thing. And to unify is a verb. And a verb is what? An action word. It is an action word. Unity is a noun. To unify is a verb. It takes work to unify. Pastor Herring, if you were really doing your job, we'd be unified. Unity means being one, whole with a W, a single unit. Unify is the action it takes to merge into one. To unify is the work we put in to become united. I don't do Easter egg hunts at your house, Pastor. I'm above that. I'm not talking about people that are tired and work nights. And I get it, but I'm just being general. And if it fits you, then tighten it up, all right? Wear it. But don't bother telling me as the pastor. And don't you go running. May I be blunt, but I'm not talking about you. Don't go running your mouth to people in the church that we need unity when we're trying to be unifiers. And all you can do is criticize me because we're not united. That don't work that way. Unity happens when we all unify. I'm not trying to change anybody. I'm just trying to tell you. Some people say, oh, pray for unity. Oh, pray for unity. Oh, pray for unity. And inside I'm going, shut up. Because you don't hang around and help clean up. You don't wave signs. You don't make coffee. Yeah, we need unity. But people that pray are always working through unification to become better at being united. I'm going so slow you couldn't possibly be misunderstanding me. Unity is not something that God just does because we want it. You got to work. Not everybody likes to climb mountains. Not everybody likes to fish. Not everybody likes to hunt. So we got to find the things that edify one another. We got to find reason to build unity through unifying. Oh, I feel like running. It is not all on my shoulders. I, 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 I'll do what I can. It is not because you think I'm not a good. Gatherer. If 
there's lack of unity, I'm going to tell you what the Lord revealed to me. You've got to look in the mirror first. You need to look in the mirror first. Because I see a whole lot of people in this church, they're doing everything they can to unify one to another, organize, connect. They're trying to interfuse, to connect, to bring together. That's unifying. The only way we arrive at unity is through the process of unifying. And it takes work. takes effort. Let all things be done. That's what Paul was teaching these people. It isn't just get together and shout and see who runs the fastest, jumps the highest. You got to work this thing. To work the process of unification, it will yield unity. People that are into themselves, Brother Dave, just my observation, 32 years of pastoring, over 40 years of, of supervision in retail. People that are into themselves, they don't even know what unify means. If they sit there and nod their head and shake their head like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they go right out of the room and start doing things to edify or encourage themselves. It's dog eat dog, man. Don't matter who you have to step on going up the ladder of life. So they say. Thank God for people that are doing the work of unity. Thank God for Brother Stacy coming out there and waving sign today. Thank God for Brother Mike Carlson, Brother Colin Mallory. Uh, that, that is not a pull. That is not a pull for more. I'm just saying it. Thank God for people that no, the kitchen needs this and the plumber, plumbing needs that. They're working the process of unifying. Before I leave that subject, I'll just say this. Unifying is not a place. It's an action. Not a destination. Are you unified? Got to keep working at it. Every day. Every day. Relationships are the same way. I don't, I'd never known anybody that's transparent and honest and says, yeah, once we got over that threshold, everything was smooth sailing. I've never known anybody. My parents were married 63 years when dad died. Never, never once did I hear him say, oh, son, once we got over that barrier, it was all, it was all roses then. No. It takes unifying. And at least I have come to the conclusion that unifying the work of it is never done. It's always something else to try to work out. Always somebody else needs a good word. Always somebody else that needs a visit. Always somebody else that needs a pat on the back. And I'm saying these things in a favorable way. Unifying is not a destination or that we arrive at. It's an action. 
So we've talked about glorifying the Lord, edifying the body. That's our mission here, bro. That's why I tell these musicians, I mean, I know, trust me, I've been doing this a long time. I know there's beauty and anointing and power in some of these slower songs they do. I know that. I know that. I'd be a fool to deny that. Sometimes I'm in the shop working and there's some, a slow um, spiritual song comes on. And I, I, man, I'm just wiping tears and mopping my face. But I tell them. I want, I want you to rear back and give us your best shot today. Those people out there need something. Boom, that's why they're here. And they don't need to be crying every moment. I, then visitors walk in, I want our best foot forward. I want us to sing like we mean it, brother. Worship like we mean it, sister. Now watch. Look at all the lifelong Pentecostals. He doesn't even know. He's not spiritual. I've been preaching longer than most, a lot of you have been alive, okay? I can walk in. I beg these people in leadership. Would you please put your spiritual feelers out there? Would you try to get your hand on the pulse, the heartbeat of every service? How do I get on these things? I don't know. Glorify the Lord. Edify one another. Unify the body. And the result will always be. To multiply. For people that don't believe you have a part in the mission of soul winning. Genesis 1.22, and it's repeated again in Genesis 1.28, it is mandated. It is a charge to us. It is commanded of God. Be fruitful and multiply. Last time I checked in the word, soul winning, not some kind of an optional elective. It's a commandment. I can't do it like Brother Stacy. I can't do it like these guys go down there to that, that drug house and just stand out there and needles on the ground around them. I, I feel for them. I'm not poking fun at anybody. Torn out for the grace of God, there we would be. Right. We all know where we've been in the past. Weren't for the grace of God, that's where we But they, these men of God, these folks have got a boldness. They'll just do it. And they sit there and take ridicule. People laugh at them. People mock them. Say, don't talk to me about that religious nonsense. And they just say, oh, you know, Jesus loves you anyway. I, I appreciate that. But if that's not you, you still have a circle of influence in your life. You have a wife, a husband, a daughter, a father, a son, a cousin, a nephew, someone you work with. Everybody has a circle of influence that we are mandated to be evangelizing. You know what? If I would focus me, if I would focus more on souls, I wouldn't have as much time to wonder about how am I going to heal of this bruise? How am I going to get over that problem? What am I going to do about this trouble in my life? 
There are souls going to hell every day. And one, one A, one B, one C is to multiply. And it doesn't just happen. It has to be worked. There's got to be a strategy. There has to be a desire. It blesses my soul when I see you folks. I bring your little nieces and nephews and cousins and neighbors. Oh, pastor, what good does a six-year-old add to a congregation? You keep thinking that. You keep thinking that. Uh, how old are you, sister? 42? 42. And there's her sister. All oh, I got pictures of them, little kids sitting on my dad's lap, my mom's lap. Don't tell me six-year-olds, two-year-olds in the church don't matter. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Don't bother trying to convince me. You come way too late for that. Because time just keeps on marching. Brother Larry, you and I aren't young like we used to be. But we're not retired yet either. And... Every young child will put seeds in them of, of kingdom-minded seeds in their mind and soul. Every time they trouble themselves off to Sunday school, I'm trusting God to, for that teacher to put good things in their soul. So that six-year-old becomes a 46-year-old or whatever you are. Give or take a year. Now, listen, I appreciate Bible studies and intermixing fellowship in the congregation. That's good. That's iron sharpens iron. But that's not soul winning. That's influencing. And, and let me, since, can I just pastor this morning a minute? Where'd my clock go? It's on the back wall, by the way. I had a clock back there for a reason on that wall. Anyway, anyway, I like... I love to get together and hang out and talk hunting or scriptures or whatever, as long as it's good stuff. I like to talk that. But that's, that's finding the things that encourage and edify one another. Soul winning is bringing people that are living in the darkness, never seen the light. Bringing them out of darkness into his marvelous light, Peter said. That's what I'm talking about, soul winning. We're all mandated of God to do that. You have a son. You have family. You may not ever preach behind the pulpit. I don't know. But you still have a charge of God to multiply. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. If you hang around people that can't glorify God, can't edify the body, and can't unify through effort, don't don't come to me telling, asking me why you're so depressed. You got to look at who you're hanging around with. If if eventually I get to hang around you, and listen, the devil he not only does he know patterns, he institutes patterns. And for just for fun's sake, this is not the case here. But if I get to hang around Brother Mallory 
and at first it's all innocent and fun and food-filled and laughter, but the devil sees every time we get together, it's going to end up talking trash about somebody in the church. There needs to be, there needs to be between you and I, I come to Jesus meeting. Like either we can't do that anymore or we stop fellowshipping, all right? Because we should be coming together to glorify the Lord, edify the body, unify the work of God. Are you looking at facing Brother Whitley? I know I'm, I know I'm in the vein of Holy Ghost today. I don't care if they're your best friend. If they tear down instead of build up. If they separate instead of bringing together. And they do it all under the guise of, oh, I love Jesus, though. Get away, get away, get away, get away, get away. Well, pastor, they're in leadership doing that. Get away, get away, get away, get away. Acts 6, 7. She won't have this on there, and that's okay. I don't need it. But I'll just tell you, for people that like to memorize scriptures, Acts 6, 7, Acts 12, 24, Acts 19, 20, say the same thing with just a little bit of, uh, of change there, but the reference is there, the application is the same. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied. The word is the influence of God's word. When it increases in our presence, multiplying happens. When you get together on an off night and you talk about, let me share this scripture with you. You hear what pastor said the other day, well, I thought this, and I'm going to build on that, and I'm going to connect this to that. What happens out of those kind of meetings? Multiplication. But if this occurs, I would have said it different than pastor said it. You see, he looked right at me when he said that. Get away, get away, get away, get away. The word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied. So the common reaction to glorifying the Lord, edifying one another, and unifying the body or the work of God is multiplication. Listen to me. I know we've heard some fantastic preaching uh, from outside of, of, of this circle. I, I agree with it. I agree with a lot of it. But we don't have to beg God to multiply us. Because if you beg God to multiply you, you'll blame God when you don't think it's happening. You'll blame me, rather, when you don't think it's happening. But I'm telling you, the result of glorifying God in all things... Sunday morning or Wednesday night. I'm just tired, Pastor. So am I. I've been sick all week. So have I. Had a migraine for days. So have I. But I know I've got one hour. I'm going to glorify the Lord anyway. I'm going to praise Him anyhow. I'm going to heap admiration on Him anyway. And we edify the body. We build it up. Look what the Lord is doing. Not, I wonder why. But look what the Lord is doing. Did you see who came to church today? Did you see my visitors made it this morning? Glorifying God. 
edifying the body. And knowing, knowing that unity is a destination we will strive to arrive at but never be. Until we're there around the throne saying, you're glorifying the Lord in all things. You're edifying the body every day, all the time. You're unifying by working. You're searching for ways to build your brother up. And I'm telling you, it is the will of God. It is the immediate response that multiplying occurs. And Paul said, let all things be done. I'm just not good at that, Pastor. Let all things be done. Glorifying, edifying, unifying, multiplying. That's God's will right there. Let all things, show me my title, please, be done. You don't have to beg God. Now, my cousin's coming up here, and she's, she's a keyboard player, and I, don't, I just let her actually speak for herself. But you can't just say, well, God, make me a better piano player. You know what God will say? You got two hands. You have a brain. I'll anoint you, but you're going to have to work. Glorify, edify, unify, multiply. Let all things be done. person.
going to get them, that's for sure. And, and I, I mean, I personally think I, I like those kind of challenges. I love those kind of And when people say to me, hmm, Pastor Herring, hmm, crowd's getting a little slim. I love it when they do that to me. Because I know what they're doing. It's your fault. Why don't you do something? I know that's what they're implying. Oh, they don't have the, they don't have the nerve to say it to me, but they're implying that. I love that. I've seen the Lord work. I've seen the Lord come into situations like that and defend the righteous cause of people trying and, and working and efforting. So what I'm saying, I'd be happy. Hey, one showed up. That's your first, that's your first shot. One showed up. Come on. What's going to happen on your 10th shot? 10 going to be there? Yeah, I believe 10 will be there. Let all things be done. It didn't say, God, do everything. Paul is saying, go to work. <laughs> go to work. Make a difference. Put your hands on somebody's life. Stand with me today. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate your input today. God, we love you. We're so grateful for what you're doing and what you've done. We're so grateful, God, that we have a house full of people today that love you, that's serving you, doing their best, God, to be involved in the work of the kingdom. Precious people, God, and I pray your best upon them. I pray your blessing of provision and protection upon them. I pray a hedge round about them as they rise up, as they lie down. As they go out, as they come in, I pray, God, for your provision to be upon them. An abundant provision. An overflowing provision. A provision so great, God, they can't even hold it or contain it all. Protection. Anointing. Mercy. Understanding. Input. Knowledge. Wisdom. Guidance. Shepherd our souls. And let it all be done, Jesus. Anybody want to come pray? Come pray with me. I'd love to pray with somebody. Anybody want to come pray for me? Hallelujah.